Hello everyone, you're listening to the fourth episode of the Mind on Caffeine podcast. In the last episode, I talked about the uh, morality of justice and how several contradicting choices of morality can shape the uh, way a person sees the world. Once I finished the recording, I couldn't stop but think about the concepts of good and evil, the very concepts that in a way shape how we view morality and reason. Let's rewind a little bit back, shall we? I mean, let's go back in time to the earliest form of human civilizations. This, uh, Their concepts of good and evil shaped their moralities, which in turn gave the meaning to their existence at that time period. But when we look at these concepts and moral ideas from, say, a million years ago or even a thousand years ago, to us, uh, the views that they had in that time period regarding moralities, good and evil and meaning, seem a little bit bizarre to us. So uh, we can definitely say that the concepts of good and evil and the moralities that stem from them are evolutionary and are shaped by human experiences. However, there is one thing that has pretty much stayed the same from millions of years ago to the present day and that is the fact that we are, as a human race, have been thinking and have been taught to to look at and interpret both good and evil as a binary concept. I mean, we have established that there are actions, qualities and experiences that are inherently good and that others are inherently evil. There are several shows and books that play with the idea a lot about, uh, you know, what are the differences between good and evil. Um, there are, uh, but what they all do is that they have a clear-cut definition of what good and evil is, as I've mentioned in my previous episode. And, you know, these kind of previous assumptions lead to certain moral questions and these moral questions, again, lead to uh, a deeper understanding of meaning from that can be derived from these moral questions. So... You see, in almost every movie and TV show, there's always the inherently good protagonist and the inherently evil antagonist. Okay, yes, of course, some movies, uh, they movies or TV shows or even video games, there you do have these anti-heroes as per se, but uh, they're all in a way motivated by something that is inherently assumed by society to be good. So, uh, you know, only a few movies or TV shows or video games beg to ask the question, what if the ideas of good and evil are not so binary? Uh, what lies beyond it? And how do we seek meaning after we understand that um, good and evil are not really concepts that are binary? So in this episode of Mind on Caffeine, I want to talk about a video game set in a world that is 9,000 years into the future where androids and robots are in a never-ending cycle of war and the world where the lines between the ideas of good and evil are completely burnt out. And of course, the game I'm talking about is Near Automata. It is a, I would say, a heavily philosophical game that follows three automatas or androids, uh, 2B, 9S, and A2. So in this game world, we follow these androids in their quest to put an end to the robots that have been created by an alien race that invaded Earth. However, midway through the game, we learn that the humans, whom the androids believe are their creators, had perished long before the aliens even arrived on Earth. And later on, we also find that the supposed invading aliens have also perished long ago. The truth that both humans and the aliens are dead is not only the game's central plot twist, but it also establishes the existential philosophy of the game. The game heavily plays with the idea that without the humans who created the androids and the aliens that created the robots, a new search for meaning begins and how this search brings about changes in the identities. As we see through the game, each of the androids have developed unique personalities and we also see that the robots started developing unique characteristics uh, and they started developing feelings as well. 
So this central idea that their creators are dead is a mirror to Friedrich Nietzsche's declaration that God is dead. This phrase has been, you know, thrown around a lot and there are several misconceptions as to what he meant by that. I mean, I've heard people say that uh, Nietzsche truly believed that an existence uh, or a supernatural being called God existed and that by declaring God is dead, he meant that this character has, uh, you know, ceased to exist. Because let's face it, Friedrich Nietzsche was not a believer in the supernatural. He truly believed that um, there was no existence of God. He detested the idea that there was an entity that um, controlled every action that we were doing or everything that we did or were going to do was predetermined. So to clarify, uh, Nietzsche never meant that there had been some sort of God that had died in recent history. Rather, what he says is that our idea of such an entity has been rendered meaningless. You see, our existence and previous understanding of morality are constructed around certain ideas that were considered as absolute. Ideas such as God or reason, uh, which existed outside of human existence and that their ideas provided meaning to human existence. By declaring that God is dead, Nietzsche takes a jab at any system of morality that states uh, that meaning is derived from something other than our own existence. You see, Nietzsche popularized the idea of nihilism, an idea that I've touched upon in my previous episodes. Um, it is an idea that simply says that there is no inherent meaning to our existence and that life can be at times absurd and downright depressing. But there is no grander meaning or path to comfort us. So in the game, androids and the robots are led to believe that they their creators are alive and watching over them from a distance, uh, but in reality these entities are rotting beneath their feet and we learn that during the progress of the game that the robots kill their masters, the aliens, because they were static and resistant to change. There's no need to fret about them. They were simple, infantile, almost like plants I guess you'd say. This idea is similar to Nietzsche's criticism of unchanging morals and deities. The death of God that Nietzsche talks about is more about the death of meaning rather than it is about the death of any particular entity. What the game does is that it builds meaning around some of the characters and keeps killing them off directly by your own hands or by the choices you make throughout the game. You see, this uh, these actions keep the search for a meaning, you know, an ongoing quest in the game. And what it does is that it also questions uh, the viabilities of all of these forms of meanings derived from outside of, you know, oneself and your own existence. I think the organization that perhaps best mirrors Nietzsche's ideas that even if God is dead, uh, society will not let go of the political, cultural and moral norms that had, uh, you know, stemmed from that meaning uh, and that these ideas will be passed down to coming generations is the android organization Yorha. So, you know, they know that humanity is long gone, yet they still hold on to these um, archaic beliefs. They hide it from the f their fellow androids and um, they keep, you know, keep the cycle going, as you could say. And, you know, these, um, these cycles apply to us in real life as well, because, you know, all our lives um, are filled with cycles, cycles such as life and death, happiness and sadness and uh, light and darkness. And I think these cycles represent the inherent uh, absurdity in life and are, and as you know, as Albert Camus says, one only by accepting the absurdity of life, both good and bad parts of it, can we start looking for meaning. And, uh, you know, the game takes a cue from this idea and incorporates these cycles into the central existential theme of the game. Everything that lives is designed to end. Each character um, you meet or play as are in a cycle, uh, even you the player are in a cycle as you, you know, to get to the true ending of the game, 
you will have to finish multiple playthroughs of the same game. Uh, for those of you who do not um, know about Nier Automata or you have heard of it but you've not really played it, um, I'll just give you an update. So the game has uh, several playthroughs, so there are A to E. And to get to the true ending of the game, which is uh, at the end of playthrough E, you have to go through different uh, playthroughs of the game from the beginning to the end. So uh, at the end of playthrough A, you are given playthrough B, which you play as a different character. Um, in a, I would say in, in more of a parallel sense, because you are, uh, you know all the choices you've made in the first playthrough. Um, and what the game does is that it gives you different ideas and opinions from a different perspective in the second playthrough. And, you know, these different uh, perspectives and different ideas um, give you, I think, plays into the central theme of the game in the search for meaning. You know, these multiple playthroughs um, that the player has to go through uh, show that the game has no one meaning, but rather your goals keep changing and your sense of meanings and purpose change along with it. This idea is similar to Nietzsche's rejection of a progress that stems from meaning and purpose derived from an external source. The, the game emphasizes this idea by giving us a non-linear repetitive playthrough with no clear path laid out. Um, you know, throughout uh, playthroughs A to E, Near Automata strips meaning from the player and uh, goes against the established idea that there is a purpose to any of your actions. You see, this allows the player to engage in their own nihilistic path. Uh, through each playthrough, the game establishes a meaning and progress and uh, you know a sense of purpose and at the beginning of the next playthrough completely destroys these meanings and starts anew. So I think what the game tries to tell us and the philosophy that it tries to convey is about uh, acceptance and uh, it is the acceptance of suffering, the acceptance of mistakes, of everything in the final uh, true ending which is ending E of the game. The players are presented I think uh, you know you would say a choice to either save all the progress and uh, their data from the previous playthroughs and keep it or to delete their save files and start afresh and uh, you know what the game does is that it makes this choice even more so difficult for you because during the first playthrough you uh, play as a2 and you fight all the robots and you start killing them and you keep asking yourself this question do these robots really have any form of um, you know feeling or do are they actual individual beings of themselves and uh, you know at the end of the first playthrough you're done killing all the robots you've done all your quests you've established a sense of meaning you've established a sense of character and uh, you know you understand who you are and what you're doing and why you're doing it but in the beginning of playthrough 2 uh, or playthrough b as in the game you realize that these robots really had feelings they had families they had um, they had intentions they had goals they had aims and uh, you know they had a purpose in life as well um, and you have to pretty much i would say live through play through b understanding that um, one these robots were um, feeling actual um, entities and two that in the first playthrough you just mowed through them without that any form of resent for them but during the second playthrough of course you still have to kill all the robots but um, you so have to do it uh, by rethinking it in a way that you're now, um, you know, I would say committing genocide to be almost that you're destroying all these robots and their uh, sense of purpose and meaning. So I think the game, uh, what it does and what it tells us is that uh, in a form of, as I said, mentioned before, is acceptance and that are we willing to accept our mistakes? Are we willing to um, accept all the suffering that we go through in our life? And only by accepting these, uh, you know, forms of good and bad in our life that we can um, find a true purpose or meaning to our existence. And uh, this 
purpose and meaning at the end of the day is going to come from your own acceptance of um, you know everything that you have gone through in your life and everything you have done in your life and this meaning or purpose is at the end of the day derived from who you are and what you have done so that is all for this episode of the mind on caffeine podcast and thank you for listening uh, follow me on instagram at mind on caffeine to stay updated on all new upcoming episodes i'll catch you next sunday with a fresh take and a fresh breakdown